Don't eat the last cookie. Don't eat the last cookie. Uh, I'm going to tell you why that's important in a second, but back when I was in youth group, uh, when I was a youngin, similar to the size of that one that just went by, uh, I was in youth group. Um, and our, our, our youth pastor talked about, about like evil and just evil people. And, you know, whenever you talk about evil people, Hitler comes up. And so, you know, there was this, this we we're discussing, you know, was there anything so different about Hitler that, that he, he just was going to come out that way? But we're all different. We, we couldn't be like Hitler. And it came to the point where I was convinced. I said, I, I, I truly believe that anybody can be as bad as Hitler was. And this other girl in, in, in our youth group was so offended. She's like, you're saying that I could be as bad as Hitler? I was like, well, if you tried, we could all do that. I, I truly think that it's, it, that it's in our human nature to be able to abuse. And so it was just kind of this like conversation that went back and forth. And, and it, it, it led me to a quote, which... There's going to, it's going to be kind of a fill in the blank. I want to see if you, if you, if you know the quote too. Uh, I actually have a couple of these, and so we'll make a little bit of a game of it. Uh, all right. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And another great, another great quote I know about power. Uh, <clears throat> with great comes great Yay, guys, we're doing it. Now, these are a little bit more, um, a little bit more uh, vague, maybe. You might not know them, but kind of the similar path. Um, the measure of a man is what he does with power. A measure of a man is what he does with power. And so as we look at, at Beatitudes, as we look at broken blessings, we're here in Matthew 5, 5, and we're looking at the beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And there's something, there's something that we see uh, almost like a contrast between, between the idea of meekness and the idea of, of, of power. And it kind of comes back to eating the last cookie. Um, there was an experiment done where they had, uh, they had four, no, three individuals, and they gave one of them, they told them, hey, you are in charge, you are leading the th this project, and they worked on a project together, and while they're working on this project, they brought out a plate of cookies. They brought out a plate with four cookies. They put it on the table, and naturally, with free cookies, everyone's gonna take one, so everybody takes a cookie. Who do you think the person in the room that was most likely to take a second cookie, to take the last cookie? The leader, the person in charge. It's actually called, it came to be called lovingly the cookie monster experiment because they found out not only is the person who's with the most power in the room most likely, or the most authority or the most leadership or the most responsibility, most likely to take the last cookie, they're also more likely to chew with their mouth open and leave crumbs and not clean up after themselves. Thus, like, 
cookie monster, <laughs> who just eats it and destroys the cookie. And so it was this very interesting experiment on how just a tiny little bit of power changes everybody's dynamic from, oh, I'm going to leave that last cookie for somebody else, to, yeah, that's my cookie. <laughs> and there's a few other experiments like this, and this one's a little bit darker. There was a, an experiment about, uh, that included shock treatment. And it was this guy, he spent a lot of years doing this experiment. He did it in different areas, different people. And the experiment was simply this. Okay. Uh, there was a set of questions. Uh, every time the person got a wrong answer, they got a little shock. And so the nature of this experiment was, is they brought in, uh, they brought, a, brought in two people, person A and person B. Person A is, is somebody that they brought in. Person B is somebody that's in on the experiment. They're an actor, Okay. And you take, you take person, person B and you put them in a chair in the other room and you tell person A, hey, in the other room, there's an individual who is sitting in a chair, strapped to a chair, with electricity that can run to it. And he gave him a giant box. And he said, you're going to ask him questions and every single time they have a wrong answer, you give them a shock. If they have another wrong answer, you up it. Shock. And on this board, there's a bunch of, bunch of meters with little switches and going from mild shock to more intense shock until way on the far end, there's no words describing except for X, X, X. Like, this could potentially kill them. And they found that two-thirds of the people involved in this experiment would ask the questions and keep ramping up the shocks to the potentially deadly level. All meanwhile, the person giving the instruction has said, please continue, please administer the shock, please continue, the experiment has to continue, you have no choice but to continue the experiment, continue with the experiment. That was the only thing that was told to them, and they sat there and willingly followed instruction, following with the experiment. Nobody was actually shocked, nobody was hurt. But what he proved is that given enough position of authority over somebody and with enough coercion, two-thirds of the people in the experiment were likely to kill somebody by administering a deadly level of electrocution. They found out that if the person was removed and put in another room, the likelihood went up. If there was somebody overwatching and commanding them to continue the experiment, they would continue. And all of this bred from an excuse, really, given by Nazi generals that said, I was just following orders. I was just following orders. And so all of this talk has to do with power and, and, how, and how humans interact with power. And we live in a world where we have, we have leaders who have tremendous amounts of power. We have politicians, we have, we have people of authority, we, have so, we are surrounded by power constantly, and unfortunately, we are constantly witnessing the abuse thereof. And we learn more and more every single day, humans are not really good at being gentle with each other. And humans aren't really good at being humble. You throw power in the mixture, and it gets even harder. And so, one last quote. 
and I'll just read it to you. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Like I said, we're going to go ahead and read, we're going to go ahead and read uh, the Beatitudes. We're in Matthew 5, 5. I'm going to go ahead and read them all because I think that, that it's important as we, we look at all of these Beatitudes as a, as a group, as really like a ladder, separate rungs that kind of keep bringing us closer and closer and closer to really becoming the people that God wants us to become. And so, again, we're going to head and start in uh, Matthew 5. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 1. Uh, please follow along. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who, persecute, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you and because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because Great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, meekness is something, it's incredibly interesting. I, I, I love the idea of meekness and what Jesus brings into this. First of all, this isn't a great ad for Christianity. This is not a great, you know, hey guys, we're, we're looking for people to sign up to, to, to love Jesus and love others and... Uh, and uh, yeah, that's not, that, that's not going to draw a lot of people in. So when, if it's interesting, you look up meekness, you look it up in the dictionary, you look it up anywhere, and it is, it is, it is flooded with examples of being weak, being timid, being, uh, being easy to step on, being uh, powerless, being subservient, uh, being passive. It's so like, it's not a great quality. If, if, you, if, you, if you're thinking somebody, hey, what is your finest quality? Meekness wouldn't really be on the top of the list. But God includes it, and Jesus includes it. And, and one of the things that, that, that we talked about, that actually Roger preached about the first time we talked about, is that this sermon is, it, it's, it's, it's world flipping. It takes everything that, we, that we're supposed to admire in this world, that the, the world tells us to admire. It tells us, you know, we should admire power and we should seek it, we should find it. We should look to try to be the smartest, strongest person in the room. You know, we should, we should uh, take out the eye of those that take out our eye. We should fight back. And then Jesus comes in with this, this sermon and this incredibly powerful preamble to the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you know, all those qualities that we cast aside, all those qualities that we don't care for. Hey, blessed are those. And so I want to look at meekness. And, and there are a variety of ways to look at it, but I think one of my favorite is, and it's, a, it's an example, how many of us have ever held a bird? Weird, weird thing. 
Not like a pigeon on the side of the road, but like a pet bird. Like, I grew up with birds a lot. My family loved having birds around, parakeets, finches, all these cute, adorable, tiny little birds. And as a young man, a young boy, I loved the idea of having a bird, like on my shoulder, that just wanted to hang out with me. And I thought, maybe if I was cool enough and I spent enough time with this bird, like, he'd want to, like, hang on my finger and eat out of my hand, and I could let him out of his cage, and he'd play Legos with me. I don't know. I was a kid. Uh, and so I spent so much time with my birds. And, and if you know anything about a parakeet or how to, like, train a parakeet to, 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 to be willing to stay on your finger, it's a lot of holding a bird and showing them, hey, I'm not going to crush you. And so, and if you've ever held a bird, their beaks are real sharp and it hurts real bad. And so occasionally you use gloves, but it doesn't work as well because they need to feel your hand, they need to feel your warmth, and so you have to endure the pain. It's a labor of love. And as a young child, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I'm tough, I'm a man. I can, I can handle, handle the little birdie bites. And so, but if you've ever held a tiny bird in your hand, they're like crunchy air. They're like... Their feathers are so fluffy and their bones are so light. You just, if, you, if you squeeze too hard, you would hurt the little birds. And that was not my goal. And so there, my mom trained me in how to hold a bird. And she's like, it, it, it's a, a weird mixture of, of firm and gentle meekness. Is what I, I love to think of it, it's, it's, it's power being led by humility and gentleness. And that's what really, the, 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 if we look at, at the original definition in Greek and how, how that word is used, it's got a little bit more richness than how we use meekness today. It's the idea of a sword that you can stab into your enemy, but you choose not to. The ability to crush those in your path, but hold back. It's the idea of holding this helpless little tiny bird that can do nothing but nibble at the skin and choosing not to smush. So if there's two lessons today, don't smush birds and don't take the last cookie. Or we'll keep building on them. But I, I love this, this beautiful idea of power. Power in the hands of somebody humble and gentle power restrained by humility and gentleness. But unfortunately, we have much more of the opposite example of that. In this world, you just got to look at our leaders, you got to look at the world, look at what's going on in China, you look at everything that's going on, the whirlwind of chaos that is, that is bombarding the media and our news, and we see truly power driven by pride. Power driven by selfishness. There's no gentleness in it. Who knows what's going on in China right now? Raise your hands. China, Hong Kong, it's a mess. We have a government that is, that is hurting their people. And it's difficult and it's sad and it's, and it's, and it's so helpless to watch it because we see, see people fighting for their own freedom, but being blasted by, by um, those riot squirt guns, I don't know what they're called, but filled with pepper spray and blue dye so they can disable the protesters 
and mark them so that they can go arrest them later. And that's not, that's not even the worst of it. That's just the most recent. And God, Jesus, offers an alternative of what we can do with power and what that can look like. See, we all know that we can use our strength to crush others. We can step on them. We can shame them. We can edify ourselves. You just got to look at the schoolyard bully. We've all had bullies. We've experienced them. And, and if there's nothing in this world that will tell you that humans are evil, you just have to watch a child bully another child. It's sad, and it's, and it's painful to watch, and it's, and it's, and it's broken. It's brokenness, truly. But let's set it aside. Let's look at, at power and what that looks like through humility and selflessness. I think some of the most beautiful people in this world, the people I have admired the most, are the ones that have used their power, that have used their strength to support the small, to lift up those who need lifting up the ones who use their strength to protect the weak. The ones who use their strength to defend the helpless. To include the outcast. The ones who use their power but they don't abuse others. They're not cruel. They're not manipulative or dominate, domineering. They don't use their power to intimidate. They don't use it to humiliate and they don't use it to segregate. And I think Jesus did an amazing job of that. When I was thinking about meekness, the first thing that came to my mind was Jesus. Specifically, specifically with the little children. I'm going to go ahead and read Mark 10, 13 through 16. It said, people were bringing little children to, children to Jesus for him to place his hand on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw that, he was indignant and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he looked, he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. I know there's, there's something just so tender and powerful and beautiful about the God of the universe coming down incarnate as a man and sitting and teaching people and saying, guys, just bring the kids. I want to bless them. I want to pray for them. I want to love them. Because we're all that. We were all children. We are, and he tells us that, that I'm pretty sure there's a side of us that never grows up. And if you think about this, the tender and intimate love that he had for those children, he has it for us. Every single person in this room, the same intimate love that he has for children and that he shows in the Bible is the same love he has for us. And he says, I want you to take that gentleness. I want you to take that humility and nurture instead of break. Tend to instead of rend. Heal instead of cut. There's a follow-up here. Because it's not just blessed are the meek. It's blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Now that's the, I love this. I love this one because it's a bit of an oxymoron. It's 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 a bit of of a. a there's some contrast. There's there's some some confusion because when we think about meat, we think about the gentle, maybe the gentle old grandma who bakes cookies and brings them over, and maybe you, you think of meek, you think of the soft-spoken child. When you, don't, when you think of power, you think of people who will inherit the earth. Think about Alexander the Great. He did a whole lot of conquering. And I did not think of meek and him in the same sentence ever. Think about the great... I, I, I was having a conversation about, um, about history and General Patton. Does anybody know what General Patton's nickname was? It's super obscure history reference. Anybody. It's old blood and guts. It's the idea that he was in the thick of it and he was powerful, that he was covered in blood and guts. But if you think about meekness isn't something I attribute to someone like General Patton, to Alexander the Great, to the people who actually conquer and take the earth. But here Jesus is saying, the meek will inherit the earth. Meekness is hard to swallow, though. It's a little bit hard to digest. And, and, and for some of us more than others, who has been really good at something? Don't, don't worry if you don't raise your hand. I, I, I probably couldn't either. I've never been super good at something. But if you think about the athlete, the athlete who can just destroy his opponents on the field. I had a story of a young man who actually left the church because of that verse. He said, I'm not a small person. I'm not a weak person. I want to grow up, and I want to be the best at what I do. I want to be strong. I want to be inspiring. I want to I show others that they can do what I can do. I want to train, and I want to be the best. And that doesn't fit in there. This doesn't fit in with how I want to be. This doesn't fit in with who I want to be. I'm going to be the best. And there's a conflict there. Because Christ says, what? Put, every, put others before you. Think of others as more highly as yourself. And then there's this whole set of scriptures that say, it's not about tooting our own horns. It's not about lifting ourselves up. It's not about needing to be the best. You can be but do it humbly and do it gently. And I truly think that, that, that I think the young man was wrong. I think that, 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 that I have found the most inspiring, admirable athletes to be the humble ones, the ones who care for their teammates, the ones that, that tend to their fans, that are gentle with one of my favorite things ever. And they, they pop up from time to time. If you go on the internet and look for like wholesome sports gifs, and one of my favorite is this guy. He's 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 a he's a hockey player and he's coming off the ice, and he just they they won the game, and he takes his hockey puck and his hockey stick and he hands it to one of the fans. It's like eight nine year old boy, who just is like, watches him like leave the stick in his hand and walk away, and it's just you see the joy, and like the elation in this young kid's like like face just my hero just gave me like a hockey, his hockey stick that he used to, to win the game. You'll see baseball players take the winning home run ball 
find the youngest person in the crowd at the, crowd at the edge and hand it to them. Wow. The little things that we can do to be gentle and meek and merciful with each other. To use power in a way that this world never thought is possible. But it's hard. I think we have a good example in Mark 10, verse 17, the rich young ruler. Somebody who encounters not specifically meekness, but encounters something difficult, a challenge, something that they have to let go for Christ. And I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, and honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these things I've done, I've kept them since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Because sometimes it does mean giving up some power. Sometimes it does mean giving up something we want, we hope for, we desire, we're grasping on too tightly. Jesus knew that there was one thing in this young man's life that would keep him from coming to Jesus, to coming to him and giving him it all, and it was the wealth. It was something that's gonna pass away I don't think that we can, we can look at this verse and say that it's easy, and I think it's an injustice if we do. And I think as we, as we, we, we said that we built on these, because truthfully, if we look, blessed are the poor in spirit. It starts at the bottom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those that are meek. There's, there's these, these, these tears that, that build off of each other, and we can't get to the meekness stage we can't get to the place where we, we, we can understand humility and gentleness and apply them to our lives if we first don't recognize our need for God. We have to recognize our need for God. We have to recognize the work that he needs to do in us. We need to mourn over the fact that we, that we need him, that we're lost, that we're broken without him, and we can't save ourselves on our own before we can come to the point where we can apply that gentleness. Just like that bird that I talked about, just that, that tiny, tender little bird, we hold each other's hearts. No one can hurt us more than the ones we love, and it's because we hold the hearts of the ones we love in our hands, and we don't realize just the immense responsibility that we have 
And as we have things like greeting time, as we spend more time serving together, as we serve this community together, we have a church, we have, we have, a, we have a, a memorial. Is it a memorial or a funeral coming up this Saturday? Memorial. We have a memorial this Saturday. We have an opportunity to hold some broken hearts, to act out in service for ones that we care about, for a family we care about. We get to have an opportunity to serve and show them, hey, we can't do a lot, we can't fix this, but we can love on you and we can show you in this moment that you have a family. And I, honest to goodness, think that we have a responsibility to do that. To take as precious as, and I understand how precious a Saturday is, and serve in love. Gently tend and care for the ones. And we have even more opportunities. Um, for those of you who have seen, seen the notes in the bulletin, we have a food bank event coming up. We have, we have this Halloween, we have a Camelback food bank they, every sing, at Camelback, and every single year in Halloween, we do an event, a service event, where we give up our Halloween night. Again, very another, for some of us, especially who have kids, a precious night to pick up food for families in this area and take it to Camelback High School and bag it up so that anyone who comes in who's hungry, who has kids that are hungry, who can't afford a Thanksgiving dinner, they get a big old bag of food. And guess what? That bag of food's filled with mac and cheese and it's filled with, with, with all kinds of vegetables and beans and amazing things that they can use to make food. And it's simple, but powerful. And it's hard because it means changing the way we think about ourselves. I, I truly believe that there are two aspects to humility, and we're going to go ahead and end with this. There are two sides of humility. There is how I view myself and how I view others. And Jesus told us exactly the two ways that we need to do that. How should we view ourselves? We are children of God. We are the sons and the daughters of God. We are a family in Christ Jesus. We are the, the, the recipients of an inheritance of eternal life. We have a hope that not the rest of this world has. We have a calling to do amazing things in the name of Jesus. We have, we have a calling to be gentle, to be loving, to be humble, to be hopeful, to encourage and lift up each other and not cut each other down. And that's who we've been called to be. And that's one aspect of humility. And the other aspect is how we view others. And there's just one simple verse. Think of others as more highly than yourself. And we take those two things and we imbue it with service and we can change a neighborhood. And we can change a family. And we can change lives little by little. And in the end, the glory goes to God. So we follow up a few more verses down. It says in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We do it to honor God. We do it to glorify God. And so I'll end with this. Give away the last cookie. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful 
for the opportunity to be challenged, to see what it means to be meek. Lord Jesus, to change inherently, to be more like you. And it's hard and it hurts. But it's beautiful and it's so worth it. Lord Jesus, teach us how to be gentle fathers, gentle mothers, gentle bosses, gentle volunteers and employees, that everywhere we go, Lord Jesus, the tenderness of your love, and it flows through us. And people can see it, Lord Jesus, and, and glorify you. In your name we pray, amen.